You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. Phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers. However, I was made aware of a call that got skipped. And looking at the Google transcript, it doesn't sound familiar to me. So I'm going to trust that um, he listens all the time and didn't hear his call. Um, I try to not do that, but I think sometimes I will... um, If I click on it, it gets grayed out. So I assume that it's done. So like at the end, I might click on the next one to get ready. And then I'm like, all right, we're done for the day. And then when I come back the next day, I go on to the next one. I don't know. But anyways, Zach... From North Carolina, what's going on, Mike? Hey, Ryan, this is Zach from North Carolina. What up? Um, listening to the show today, you were talking about the statistics, mathematics for getting three hits at quarterback in a row, and I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because it does kind of break. Three hits on quarterback in a row. Man, I wish I could remember what I talked about ever. My brain a little bit. I remember in stats in high school, um, not really understanding how oh 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 you know, hits. I was thinking like sacks to make a basket in basketball if they had missed several. Um, but eventually, after thinking about it for a while, you do figure out that what's happened in the past, like you said, kind of common sense has no bearing on what's about to happen in the future. I like your coin uh, coin flip example more, where it's fifty fifty every single time. Um, but that's not to say though. Let's say Jordan Love does hit and is a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's the Packers should still be praised for getting three in a row because oh, yeah. the odds of that are still pretty low, as we've seen. Well, right, and it, but but again, we're talking about two different questions, right? There's what are the odds of getting three in a row? Astronomically high. I mean, it's basically zero, right? But but people try to use that fact, and it is a fact that it's nearly impossible. They try to use that fact to make it seem like Jordan Love is less likely, and that's not true, because we've already accomplished the first two. That's the point. But even getting the first two is incredible. I think that's only happened maybe one other time, like the Colts. Probably some other times, but I don't know of too many. Oh, the 49ers, I guess, did that too. Um, But anyways, very rare to just go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, or at least elite guy to elite guy i don't know hall of fame is its own thing i don't know who's in who's not but you get what i'm saying across the league um because at that point you're multiplying the probability that it would happen once times twice times the third time right um but for this one instance for the third time the likelihood is just as high as it is for any other um, in this one instance yeah let's i mean just for fun let's do that let's say there is a uh i don't know what what would what would we say? I guess if you draft a quarterback, they're going to be a Hall of Fame or what? Let's just say ten percent. Let's give it a high number. It probably isn't even that, but ten percent, right? Getting the next one, 
would put you at 1%. And then, well, I guess we're, it's kind of easy math here. But you do another one, and it puts it at uh, 0.01%. So in that example, there is a 0.001 chance, a 0.1% chance, that the Green Bay Packers are going to get Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and then a third Hall of Fame quarterback. But there is a 10% chance that Jordan Love is a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's the, and again, the, the numbers are fake. I don't know the, the ratio of quarterbacks drafted to Hall of Fame. It's probably significantly less than 10%, which is why, again, there, there is skepticism within me, but it's not because of Rodgers and it's not because of Favre. It's just because it's a low number, period. So, yeah. And then one other point I'd like to make is I think the Packers actually, this is just a theory. It's not, I can't prove it, but I think they might actually have a slightly higher than average probability that yeah. Jordan Love will be a really good quarterback uh, just based on, I mean, this isn't a coin flip type deal. There's a lot of right. um, scouting and, and stuff that goes into it. And so they've proven now that they have a track record of selecting good quarterbacks. Um, so, although I'm not saying that makes their odds way higher, I'm saying it might not, it might, you know, if there's a 5% chance that a quarterback's going to be great, with the Packers scouting department and everything, it might be more like a 7 or 8% chance. Um, it's just my idea. But, yeah, people saying that the odds are low because we've now had two, it doesn't mean the Packers shouldn't be praised if it does hit. Yeah. But they're stupid for saying that because the odds are the same as they ever were. Um, so, all right, go back, go. Yeah, and I had some people point that out, too, where it's, you know, well, it's not that. There's other variables. I know, but I'm I'm specifically isolating that variable because people are using specifically that variable. They're not even looking at who the players are or any of the other variables. They're just saying because of those things, just from a pure statistical standpoint, we have a lower chance, and that's not true. But, yeah, you can add in actual. Not, now that we've established that there is no difference based on Favre, based on Rodgers, that that has no impact. And everybody listening to this should understand that by now. If you don't believe me, go call any... Find a math teacher, right? Math teacher in middle school, high school, college, whatever. They will verify what I'm telling you if you just refuse to believe me. But now that we've established it, the question is, what are the odds? Which, by the way, is exactly what I've been trying to get people to do. Leave that alone so that we can have a real conversation, right? Because... Trying to force that variable in is false. It's garbage. It's bunk. Get it out of here. No bearing. All right. Now we can focus on what's real. So you can, yeah, you can look at the Packers track record. You can, and that could be positive or negative. If you just say Packers, it's positive. If you say Gutekunst, it's like, well, he's never really taken a swing. But, you know, I mean, the little bit that we've seen, like Deshaun Kaiser or whatever, that was kind of a disaster. Not that I expected that they were bringing in Kaiser because they thought he was actually going to be a starting quarterback. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But, you know, he kind of could say he's his own person, so maybe we factor it in positively. Maybe it's negative. You could also look at his first-round pick history, which is positive. You could look at his college resume, which is somewhat negative. You could look at, you know, the fact that he's able to sit and wait and learn without being ruined behind this terrible offensive line and everything else and just be able to sit and play in one system this entire time and to be able to sit behind Aaron Rodgers and all these different things are also variables. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. Going I'm on. just getting caught up on your wonderful programming. Thanks. And again, I appreciate the dedication cranking these out. Um, you're on one lately, really. Um, 
I've enjoyed your rant today about culture and about what it takes if you're going to take down the Mahomes of the world, the Bradys of the world. You know, we're talking, I agree with you completely. You know, it's a it's just such a small percentage that you're different uh, on either side, better or worse, from some of these teams, especially when you have an eraser like Brady, you know, on the other side. Yep. And I think you're right. I don't think it was always that way as far as doing the extra things. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of like if you go to a public school and you're a smart kid, you can get A's and B's without hardly applying yourself, right? right? And then when you really have to, you really got to nail something, you can apply yourself and, and you can get it done. And I think a lot, I, I feel like Rogers a bit, especially these last few years, was kind of the smartest guy in the room and, and usually was. Yep. And as much as I agree with some of the conversations surrounding the play caller series and how, you know, these things need to be layered so that play D works because play A faked everybody out in the first quarter. So when Rogers would shelf something, it kind of derailed the whole, the whole, um, you know, order of operations there. But I also do think, well, he probably wasn't, you know, a genius play caller, there were many games where he was in his bag and he had defensive coordinators just, I mean, clueless with the changes he was making. And when that was working, he was unstoppable. I think later, these later years, what the thing that stood out to me, how maybe some of that lack of preparation manifested, and I don't want to say lack of preparation, but that extra 5% that you need to put in the work the way that felt like it manifested to me these last few years was the lack of resiliency. There was those standout plays where everybody would feel it and go, oh, boy, here we go. We're going to fold. And we just couldn't. When, when that didn't work, there wasn't anything else. When we got smacked in the face, we seldom punched back. We would fold. And that, to me, was the hallmark of these teams the last several years. And I really hope that this new iteration has fight in them and punches back and punches back hard all right bye yeah i mean it just it just i don't know um i mean everything fell apart when we lost Devonte. I mean, rogers couldn't function the way he functions without Devonte. it just it was not going to be a thing um he tried to make other people Devonte, and they're not Devonte, and so it, it just it wasn't going to work i i just you know again in 2020 it worked it was fine but again, it just it, it feels like what is the point of bringing in Matt Lafleur? You know, like it, it was almost like that was the wrong hire. If the goal is to play this style of football, I don't think Matt Lafleur was the best possible option. But the Packers picked it because they want to go in that direction. So there, it just feels like we were kind of hung up in limbo for a long time. And again, it almost worked. You know, just just being Rodgers, being Rodgers, and just tearing stuff up and. Uh, you know, the defense was a letdown, the special teams is a letdown, and, you know, even Rodgers in the end ultimately was a letdown, but um, I, it's just, it. I don't know, man. It's just, it was, it's, it, the whole thing was such a cluster, you know? <laughs> the whole period, it's not that it was all Aaron Rodgers' fault, it's just nothing made sense. 
You know, we, we had a vision for where we were going, and then Rogers was really good, and we, we just kind of put it on pause. And so, but, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. The, the only good thing, I shouldn't say the only good thing, hopefully it's good that we're going to be a really good football team, but it just feels like we're finally actually doing what the plan was starting back in 2019, you know? It's, it's you know, the, the, all this compromise stuff. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer in it. Yes, you adapt your system to the players, but the coaches do that. The coaches say, here are my players, here are how, is how I'm going to design the offense, right? That's it. It's not, okay, I've designed it based around you, Rodgers. Here's how I can utilize you within my system. And Rodgers says, nope, don't like it. Don't like motion. Don't like this. Don't like that. Stupid. That's a different thing. That's a different conversation. So, you know, win, lose, or draw, it, it just feels like we're all the right pieces to the machine now. Because it just felt so clunky, and it just felt like everybody was fighting. You know, like, Gutekunst and Rodgers didn't like each other, and Matt LaFleur is kind of going in one direction, but Rodgers wants to go in another. And then even Randall Cobb, the whole thing was so uncomfortable, because he didn't fit what we needed. Nobody wanted him here. Matt LaFleur didn't want uh, Randall Cobb here. You think that was the missing piece of the Matt LaFleur offense? You know Brian Gutekunst didn't want Randall Cobb here, but Rodgers did, and he forced him in. As a negotiating tactic, you want me back? Fine. I'm bringing Randall with me. Okay, fine. It just, it, it wasn't one smooth operation. It was Matt LaFleur and then Aaron Rodgers as two separate offenses trying to find a way to kind of sort of fit together. That's not what everybody else is doing. Everybody else has one offense that is adapted to their players, and that's what we're going to have here. We're going to have one offense. It's going to be Matt LaFleur's offense. There's no second uh, playbook that, that you have to learn because of Jordan Love. Jordan Love's playbook is Matt LaFleur's playbook. That's it. There is no Aaron Rodgers playbook. There's no secret hand signals. There's none of this stuff. And so, yeah, we're losing one of the greatest players of the game, but it is the most necessary feeling thing ever. This just, it, it never felt right. Never felt like we were, you know, Matt LaFleur was talking about, you know, specifically the 2019 season, how clunky it was. And it was. It was so up and down and weird. And, you know, 2020 especially was was the best year for the offense. And then 2021 kind of started going down and 2022 is a disaster. But I don't know. To me, everything just kind of felt that way. Everything felt a little clunky. Like, it, you know, when it, when it was good, it was great. Yeah, I mean, when, when Rodgers is playing on fire and Devontae's playing on fire and the offensive line is... But, but again, that's sort of that old style. I shouldn't say old style, but, but, you know, kind of the way that things were under Rodgers and McCarthy where it was... You know, when your superstars step up and play like superstars, then we dominate. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I watch teams all the time do nothing special and win football games. I'm not talking like perfect timing, back shoulder throws to Devontae Adams who toe touch catches, uh, toe taps inside the, the line of scrimmage or the freaking boundary, whatever. Reaches out and catches a pass and goes down. It's nothing like that. It's just, hey, look, there's a wide open guy. <laughs> there you go. And they just do that over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It has nothing to do with special elite talent. That helps. But it's just, it doesn't feel smooth, you know? I feel like that's part of the reason why it's been so stressful to be a Packer fan, because it almost never really felt super smooth. It felt hard, but you had a guy that could make it work, right? Yeah, we're struggling, but I'm going to make that play. Just wait, it's coming. And it came, and then it came again and again and again. And then you won the game. And sometimes you won big, especially if you go way back blowing people out in 2011 or whatever. 
Again, that Eagles game was such a small sample size, that might not mean anything, but that's essentially what I'm talking about. There was nothing special about any of that, and people use that to tear down love, and to some degree, fair enough, but at the same time, that's all I want. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, it'd be cool if we can get some kind of crazy, wild, you know, 40-yard pass corner of the end zone from Love to Dobbs or whatever. That's cool. But, I mean, that's, that's like once every two games. What are we doing on these other 50 plays? And so that's... I'm not saying that's what it's going to be. I'm, I'm saying that's, that's the direction I would love to be able to go, to just have one consistent theme, and everybody's on the same page, and I know not everybody's going to like everybody, but it started to feel like people were, were hating each other. I mean, last year, the locker room was terrible. And again, I know Rodgers and Gutekunst, there was a lot of tension there, and I'm sure there was a lot of tension in other places, and I, you know, supposedly... And again, Matt LaFleur wanted to move on, and Rodgers was super bitter about that, and so he's mad at, at Matt LaFleur. Probably not talking to him anymore either, I don't know, but it's just, I just, I just don't want to do that anymore, you know? And I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. And again, for Rodgers' sake, I'm glad that he is happy. It sucks he couldn't have been happy here, but he wasn't. He didn't like it. He didn't like the new offense. He didn't like the direction we were going. He didn't like the decisions that the team was making, the players that they were picking and not picking, and he got pissed. And maybe he's right. I don't know. But the point is, we got to have one singular vision, right? We got to have one person steering the ship, and Rodgers always thought that was going to be him, and I personally disagree. I think the GM should be the GM. I think the coach should be the coach, and I think the quarterback should be the quarterback. And I'm, I, I would like to get to that point. If we could possibly do that, I think that would be fantastic. Hey, Kyle from Madison again. Just so, one other point uh, off of my last comment. I'm really interested to see um, how what the mentality of the Jets team is this year. I know they've got their defensive coach and their defensive mojo, but it does appear from the outside anyway that, that, that Rodgers is, do, is, is doing the things this year. So I, I, am in, I am interested to see, like, does this new Jets team have the resiliency that we lack? Yeah. Or are they so used to losing that that culture will overtake it? All right, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm really torn on the Jets because you you can see very similar to the Packers where you can see the vision either way, but uh, maybe even more so for the Jets. I mean, you know, the defense last year was fantastic. Whether or not they will be again, I don't know, but they they have the ability to be. They have the ability to be the best defense in football. Um, Aaron Rodgers is clearly motivated, and we know what an angry, motivated Aaron Rodgers looks like. It looks like an MVP quarterback. They have one of the better wide receivers in football. Um, I think their head coach is, is a talented guy. I don't really know much. You know, he's a defensive guy. I think the two biggest negatives that I... Well, I guess it would be three. Number one is the culture. I mean, that's that's true. But I, I think Rodgers coming in and, and this big of a commitment really has people motivated and inspired. So you'll probably see more of a Lions effect where there's buy-in because I think there's going to be buy-in. Um, that could fall apart quickly if things start to deteriorate, which they do have a tough first game. But... Um, the other things that I, I would be more concerned about, number one is the offensive line. I really think that that's going to be a problem. We'll see if that improves and that gets better, but Rodgers has played behind one of the better offenses. He's probably had one of the better offensive line situations of any quarterback in their careers. Um, not that he hasn't had tough stretches, but he has had top five offensive pass-blocking offensive lines pretty much his entire career. And he, now he's going to potentially a bottom five. You know, it's It's brutally bad over there. Um, and then the third one is Hackett. I, I, I mean, the, 
Hackett was hired in Seattle, and he did the exact same thing that the Packers did in Green Bay. They compromised. He said, okay, here's what I do. And then Russell said, okay, well, here's what I do. And they're like, all right, well, let's try to build some weird Frankenstein hybrid system where I'm going to have my offense minus the plays that you just decide you don't want to do. And then you'll have your offense, and we'll just put smash them both in this playbook and try to figure out how to make that a thing. And it was the biggest freaking disaster ever. It was horrific. Hackett got fired. He didn't even make it through the season. It was so bad. And so now he's going to the Jets to do what? He's going to do the exact same thing. He's going to build a Frankenstein offense between what he wants and what Rodgers wants. And again, here's the other thing I don't really know. Is is Hackett going to try to do exactly what they did in Green Bay? Just like, let's just run the 2020 offense? Because, I mean, maybe they can with Garrett Wilson just being Devontae, but I... I don't know that I would like that a ton to have Hackett as 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 my guy. I mean, again, on one and on one side, it makes sense. You hire him and just say, "Listen, I don't give a crap about your credentials. I just want you to do exactly what you guys did in 2010." Okay, you and Lafleur, whatever you did, that's what I want you to do again. And whatever freedoms Rogers had, I want, want him to have those exact same freedoms again. And whatever freedoms he didn't have, your job is to take those away immediately. I want 2020 Green Bay Packers. But I just think that that limp-wristed approach to doing things that Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett have, which is, well, whatever you feel is right, and, and okay, you don't like that, that's fine, and, you know, oh, you want that play in, in my system? That uh, Okay, sure, we, yeah, you can have those plays. I tell you what, why don't you just have your own freaking playbook, and then you can teach everybody your own plays, and then, oh my good lord. I mean, I really think that's probably the best case scenario, because if Hackett sits down and tries to build something from scratch, I think it's going to be a disaster. Just copy the playbook from the Green Bay Packers, Say, hey, Rogers, remember this? Let's just do it again. I'm going to call a play. You're going to say, yeah, sounds good. I'm going to change that, though. You do what you got to do. You and uh, Garrett just tear it up. And then you got some familiarity with the other two guys and, you know, those couple of clutch situations with Randall and Lazard to get those third downs. Otherwise, just keep force feeding Garrett Wilson, and we're going to win a crap ton of games. It might work. It's just, it, it would just very much make me nervous after what we just saw in Seattle to have this guy come in and try to build some kind of a hybrid offense between what he thinks is right and between what Rodgers thinks is right. But if you're asking me straight up, I think they're going to be a good football team. Let me look at their schedule real quick. I heard somebody recently say that the Jets were given one of the easiest schedules, which makes sense. They were such a terrible team, but they were convinced that this is the um, NFL schedule makers trying to make this a thing. Like They will be in the playoffs. But uh, Bills and Cowboys is a really tough start. Then the Patriots, which are, you know, I would never say that's a guarantee. Then the Chiefs, this is a freaking horrific start. Then the Broncos, then the Eagles, then the Giants, which there's question marks about. Chargers have got some talent. Raiders, then you got the Bills again. Dolphins are tough. I don't know who said this. I mean, if this is the easiest schedule, then we're all screwed. Um Falcons are doable. Texans are a joke. Dolphins again, which could be tough. Commanders, Browns, we'll see what the Browns are, and then the Patriots again. I mean, we'll, we'll see what all these teams are, but man, that that those first four or even six games, in the first six games you have the Bills, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. That's kind of crazy a little bit. So, um, and, that, and that'll test the team. I mean, if they come out of that clean... They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But if they get brutalized and they're, you know, two and four, how long does it take before that culture starts to deteriorate, right? Rogers' happy-go-lucky attitude turns into, you know, mad Rogers. And this team that knows nothing but winning kind of 
suddenly doesn't believe anymore. Like, okay, well, I guess we suck. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddies, where we can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. What's up? Yeah, I'm caught up on your podcast. I got to say, it's really uh, incredible. Uh, I think I listened to three or four uh, of your podcasts, and I just think you're making some awesome points. I had to call in again because you're... You're talking about relationism and positionism, and, and I'm a, a soccer fan, and I was just talking to my brother about this, about the U.S. national team, and you're 100% right. It translates directly to the Green Bay Packers right now because often what happens in soccer is when you're, regardless of relationism or positionism, when you're throwing too much at a player, especially in, in soccer, um, and I think it translates in the NFL, there's a paralysis that takes place and now you aren't seeing the relationships with your teammates. Yeah. And since it's a more free-flowing game, it's more evident. You see people a little uh, getting, you know, a little yippy. The ball isn't going where you want. And I think what Rodgers failed to realize is that if you rely on the positionism so that these guys know their role, instead of relying on some secret freaking signal from 2009 or whatever, and you just let these guys know their role and understand how to beat the coverage in front of them. Yeah. The relationism comes. It's not right. like mutually exclusive. Sure. It's just that what 
foundation do you want to build your house on? And in this system, I agree with you. You you build the house on the positionism. Right, exactly. But then the relationship, you know, at the line of scrimmage, the, the communication and just the flow between the quarterback and the receiver. For Yeah, so real quick. This is exactly what I see with teams like the 49ers and and the Chiefs. And again, the whole time I was doing this, I was just hearing people say, oh, that's because they have Pat Mahomes. That's because, listen, I don't buy it. And it has nothing to do with them being elite. You start with the, um, now I'm getting them confused, positionism. You start with the scheme. You start with an offense that has guys that are on the same page, that know their role, and then an offensive coordinator like Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan, who is an elite play caller and knows how to attack space and get people open, right? Now, you build into that to where the person who's getting into that open area is Travis freaking Kelsey. And and you have a guy like Pat Mahomes who, you know, eight times out of ten, he can just stand in the pocket and throw to the open guy. But then those two times out of ten, when he, when he doesn't, that's when you see the elite stuff come in. So, but, but you... I, I 100% agree. You start with the, the uh, I hate to say you start with the scheme, but yeah, kind of. You start with the scheme, you start with everybody being on the same page, and you, you start with, you know, stuff that everybody can kind of do. And then you can build on that, right? So let's say we've got, I don't want to pick on anybody because we got all young guys that might be good, but let's say some no-name player who you don't expect to be on the team for a long time. He's able to do the job. He can run to that open part of the field, he can catch a pass, and then he can run for a little bit before he gets tackled. You can build onto that by drafting a first-round receiver, second-round receiver, whatever, getting a free agent to replace him. Now you got the same guy doing the same job at a much higher level. And maybe some of those windows that the other guy couldn't get into, he can get into. And maybe if there is no window, he can beat the guys that the other guy couldn't beat. And maybe he can catch some of the passes that weren't exactly super great passes that the other guy wouldn't have caught. And maybe he can get, you know, seven yards after the catch instead of one yard after the catch like the other guy. You're you're still starting with the foundation of the offense is the offense and everybody just needs to do their job. And then we'll we'll build onto that with elite players. And that that is the frustrating thing because Rodgers is the elite of the elite. And, you know, he would have been a fantastic piece in this. But I, like you said, I, I just think he was kind of missing it because he he's not wrong when he comes to the line and says, here's a better play call based on this play design. But you're missing the bigger picture. If we keep changing everything, then we don't have this free-flowing system, this thing that works. a lot. It, it seems counterintuitive to say, just let the bad play happen. But at the same time, if, if the whole thing is based on setting things up and, and, and everything kind of having a rhythm to it, if we just change it every time to like, here's I th- what I think the most optimal thing is in this one moment, and usually that thing is I'm going to get my one guy open and keep forcing it to that guy, it just, it you're, uh, you're missing the forest for the trees, I guess would be the best way to say it. Example, it'll come, and maybe you'll end up with some secret head nod or something, but you have to build the foundation on what each position is trying to do, I believe, in this offense, as you said. And I think Rodgers just just missed that, as if it was some kind of a demerit if you ran a simple right. set of positions and he said with that. simple ideas and concepts with the different tr- uh, route trees and whatnot. I think he took that as a slight somehow. Yeah, he did. Uh, whereas we saw it starting to work in Lafleur's first year, and it just kind of went off the rails after that. But I 100% agree with you. And I think we will see that, and I think you'll see, as a result of people not having to overthink everything, 
just go out and execute what they're coached to do, I think you'll see the relationships come as a result of that. And, and I think you bring up a great point, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons we saw these stunted, um, I guess, relationships between the quarterback and the wide receiver at times. So excellent work. Really, really digging the stuff you're rolling out. All right, take care. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, and my wife, I think, is printing a book right now, so apologize for that. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right, because he, he literally said that. He, he didn't want to, something to the effect of he didn't want to shut his brain off. Um, he, he felt that it was sort of offensive for Matt LaFleur to not utilize his full strengths. And again, there, there's merit to that, but this is what it is. And, that, and maybe that's another reason why Rodgers was just pissed and didn't feel like this was a good fit. You, you hired this coach that isn't going to utilize my talents. Then you go draft somebody that's going to replace me. You know, you're, you're, you're building in this direction that I just don't agree with. And again, there's merit to it. There are offenses that would absolutely love to be able to play that way. Um, but that's not the direction we went. We went with the more modern direction and all that stuff. And and again, I think you can build on that, but you, you just, you got to play ball. And I keep bringing up Tom Brady because that was a, a, a quote that, that he had said. I, I should go find it because I'm sure I'm bastardizing it if I can even find it here. I don't know. I can't find it. But he he, he had made that comment. And, and that's that's the idea. It really is just dropping the ego and saying, if I want to win, I just need to be the expert in this thing. And I think Rodgers had the opportunity to say, I'm going to be the biggest expert in this style of offense. I'm going to leave behind all my other stuff. I'm not bringing another playbook with me. You know, I mean, I could talk to, you know, once I get a firm understanding of the offense, I could talk to Matt and, first of all, try to understand the offense, which, I mean, maybe he did that, but let's be honest, I doubt it. I doubt he went to Matt and was like, hey, can you teach me this because you're a genius and I don't know it and I doubt it. But yeah, from there, just be like, you know, we had this this one concept that was kind of like this, and I could see how that could marry with like what we're trying to accomplish in this scheme. But again, I, I don't think that was it. I think it was, this is stupid. These are simplistic, mindless little plays. I know a much better play to attack this this defense, and that's just what it was. And again, you know what? If if you're Rodgers and you got Devontae and you, you think you can pull it off, cool. But we that's not what we've been doing. That's not the direction we chose to go. And whether or not that was the right decision, I don't know. Maybe we could have just gotten a different offensive coordinator with the entire goal being, how do we maximize Aaron Rodgers? But at the same time, are you seriously going to do that? Rodgers is old and broke down, and we haven't seen the best version of Rodgers in kind of a little while. And we, we're going to have to move on pretty soon. Like, I, what has he got, a couple years left? So we're going to redesign our offense for Rodgers? That doesn't make any sense. You redesign your offense for the future. And again, I, I think that really was probably... Um, evident to Rodgers and probably partially what ticked them off. They didn't build an offense to maximize Rodgers. They built an offense to maximize their offense, which could have included Rodgers, but he's, you know, forget that. You know, you should be building around me. I am the offense. I am the Packers. I am everything. So I, I don't know, man. The whole thing was a cluster, and, and Rodgers has a lot of blame in it, and I think Matt has some blame in it, and I think Gutekunst has some blame in it, and Murphy probably has some blame in it, but I, I just I just want... One vision, one offense, and some cohesion. And and I, I agree. I want it to be built on the scheme and then try to build the talent on top of that. If if we can run, you know, it, it, I'm not saying it has to be Kyle Shanahan's offense, but run an offense 
that is able to get people open in space and that has a quarterback throwing to that player in that open space. From there, we can build on the talent. We should have all the guys we need based on athleticism. We got the speed, we got the this, that, or the other, right? We got everything. But some guys might not be that good, and as we find different players over the years, we can continue to add them. This is, this is as I've said before, this is kind of just the feeling out phase. What do we have? What, what, what is this even going to look like? You know, even the offense. Matt has, I'm sure, a very clear vision on where he thinks this should go based on Jordan Love, based on everything else. Again, not based on Jordan Love saying, here's what I want to do, but based on Jordan Love's specific skill set, Matt LaFleur saying, here's what you will do. But maybe that's not the right direction, and we got to retweak it. we got to rework it. You know, we have a plan for Dobbs. Maybe it's not the right plan. We've got a plan for Reed. we got a plan for Watson and Musgrave and Kittle, or Kittle. Well, whatever, maybe Kittle. Who knows? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But, um, yeah, you start with the foundation. You start with the positionism. Well said, sir. All right, so Peter Thomas is up next, but he's got his um, his uh, Packers theme song submission. So I'm going to save that for the end, and he can just kind of take the podcast out. So I'm going to skip you momentarily and hope I don't forget to go backwards. Here is uh, Jimmy. Hey, it's Jimmy. I'm listening to this play callers thing, and <laughs> Mike McDaniel is so funny. Um, everybody's like, all broy and energetic and fired up in the mic down. like, yeah, like, I don't know, man. Whatever. He's like, just try shit. You know, it's fine. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. Yeah. Ugh, it sounds like he just woke up. What the f- I mean, I'm sorry, dude. He sounds like he just woke up from a week-long bender, is what it sounds like. What the hell is up with that guy? I don't so, know. yeah, that is a cool, interesting podcast. I mean, not interesting, like, uh, in like I'm learning things kind of way. It was interesting. Like it's just, it is kind of cool to hear about these different guys and like to hear how they were all, um, you know, all came up together. I mean, I knew that and everything, but to hear them tell their stories is pretty cool. And I like that each of them seemed to have kind of held a different role. And I like that. I think what I picked up on was LaFleur's role was like, he was the guy that was a little different. Which I think is a good thing. I think that means he's like an intelligent guy and like not so broy. Probably mm-hmm. sounds like he got mf'd a lot, as, as yeah, they kept saying. So anyway, saying, I like all the cursing too. It's fun to hear these guys cursing. So anyway, go Petco. Yeah, I mean, if you want a good takeaway from, you know, as far as what was learned or could be learned from that, um, Clayton and Dusty Evely did a good breakdown. I think one or two podcasts before this one. So um, I got done listening to that, and that was kind of a good uh, good way to see what was pulled out of that because I, I part of the issue, I, I had two big issues with it. Number one, it did feel more like interpersonal relationships type of thing, and, and it, I had a hard time kind of tracking the timeline we were on and all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas, you know, again, I'm, I'm more just like, give me the bullet points, what are we talking about here? The other thing is when they did get into, like, the scheme schematic stuff, I am 100% a visual learner. I can't listen to a podcast and really comprehend what we're talking about. Like, oh, yeah, the, the league's going to this. We go to cover four. And I go to like cover four. Okay, so they're going to – and then – so they're doing this. And why, why is that a thing? Like, I don't have the imagination to visualize all these things as they're talking, just like boom, 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 like it's second nature to me because it's not. So um, I didn't glean a ton as far as the schematic stuff went. Unless it was just kind of basic, big picture type stuff. 
But again, if you want more of that kind of a uh, a look into it, you should check out what uh, Clayton and Dusty did. But yeah, for me, I mean, it was it was <sighs> a lot of people really enjoy it. So if you haven't listened to it, you should because I am absolutely in the minority. I felt like it took a very very long time to be able to capture like a couple little pieces of information. But you know, it's it's one of those things you got to do. You don't have to, but you know, you got to do it one time and then uh, just you know, won't do it again. And I'm honestly kind of getting bored with the quarterback thing too. I watched like the first two episodes. I was the first, after the first episode, I was super into it. And then after a while, it's just kind of like, man, this is, I'm, I'm becoming like, well, a, a modern person, I guess, to where, you know, how YouTube used to be like the thing with these 30 minute videos. And now everything is these 30 second clips, whether it's TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and all that, they're all doing it too. That's becoming me. It's like, dude, this is taking a long time to get tiny little tidbits of information here. It's it's sort of interesting like the, the the I know it's not necessarily like learning a ton, it's just more of the dramatic interesting stories, which it is. And there are a lot of things that I want to see that that come up, but it's just it's just I don't know. It's also one of those things I think for me, you know, you ever have those shows where it's like I don't want to watch that, but then as soon as you start it you're hooked. That's kind of probably what that's going to be. But anyways, I I'm I finally finished the play callers thing. I, I, the other part of it probably that annoyed me is it, it had almost nothing to do with Matt LaFleur. Like, th- it, this entire five-part series had, like, 45 seconds of Matt LaFleur and the Packers. It was, you know, 70% Kyle Shanahan, 29% Sean McVay, and 1%— Actually, that's not even—Mike McDaniel had a ton more in there, too. They were way more interested in Mike McDaniel than Matt LaFleur, which, again, annoys me, because it's like, Mike McDaniel's been a head coach for, like, five seconds. But he's interesting— and that's what I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everybody seems to like him, right? People are like, oh, you've probably heard how funny he is and everything else. Number one, he he comes across as the most arrogant guy, which is kind of some fierce competition. And maybe Kyle Shanahan should be that guy. I don't know. It's maybe a close competition between them. With then McVeigh would be in third, and Matt Lafleur seemed like he's not even on that list. Like I'm sure he's competitive, but he just he just seems like a nice person, you know. But yeah, I just, I don't get the McDaniel thing. People love that guy because they're like, oh, he's such a funny character. And it's like, he just, he's stoned. Like he is on heroin right now is, is what I'm, I'm watching. I'm listening to a person on heroin. Yeah. So, uh, it's like, that's not even words, dude. What are we doing here? They're all probably strung out from Mike McDaniel, for all I know, has probably just spent 48 hours of no sleep combing through his offensive playbook and then went and did this interview and he just sounds like that because he's been working nonstop. but I, I i don't know i just i don't find it as charming as a lot of people do he just seems weird to me but brilliant and that's all that matters all right i'll tell you what let's have uh peter serenade us out of here um you guys have a good rest of your night please keep the calls coming in we've got just about enough for another call or another show tomorrow but we might be a little short so if you got them send them but uh, otherwise have a good rest of your day